0: Back to age a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Tasia. And I'm Corinne. And today we are back to talk about Redemptor by Jordan Acuico with returning guest, Aubrey. Hey guys. Hello. Welcome back, Aubrey. If you remember, we had Aubrey back on uh, when we did Ray Bear, and uh, we're so happy to have you back. Yeah. Thanks especially since you were the one
1: who I think made both of us read Mm -hmm. Ray bear. So this is a lovely full circle moment and it's been a while since you've been with us here on the podcast. So we're very excited to have you back, Aubrey. Well, Thanks. I'm always excited to be here. Get to hang out and talk books with y'all. Yeah. So on that note, uh, let's start off as we always do with what we are obsessing over this week. I actually have things to talk about this week, which is exciting because when we were doing the whole Folk of the Air series, we were recording those back, 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 and it was not allowing any time for other things, but I have now done other things. But first, we'll have our, our guests go first here today. Aubrey, what are you into these days?
2: So I have been rereading the Wheel of Time series books, um, which you might be aware of is about to be a TV show on Amazon prime and I have seen the first two episodes. So I went to a oh, special shit. fan screening and saw them. Um, so if you have not read them, it's a 14 book series that initially started in the nineties. So it's like peak nineties, high fantasy tropes all throughout, but it's pretty famous for being one of the first male written series that prominently featured female throughout the throughout the series which is kind of like a big deal I'm like guys this tv show I don't know how great it's gonna be they made some changes I don't like um but but a lot of it is really good but like my boy Lan who is like a warder who guards they're like bonded and guard the magic women in the books Mm -hmm. is played by Daniel Henney and he is So hot (laughs) and (laughs) very good, yeah. (laughs) He's perfect in this role, like, he's just doing really well as this like sword guy. And um, his eventual love interest is like my favorite character, one of my favorite characters in the series. And she's perfect. So, even though there are things I don't love about those first two episodes, there's lots of things to like. So, I'm excited for everybody else to watch it because I'm sure I'm gonna have a lot of feelings about it, especially because I was like 10 when I started reading this. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's always really like nerve wracking
1: when it's something that you've loved for so long. Like, what is it going to be like? Here's my question. Do you think if you've never read any of it, is it going to be like a total like sense of confusion going into it blind? Because that was on my long list of things I wanted to try to get to this fall, ahead of the series, and it just did not work for me.
2: I, I didn't try. I mean, I should yeah, say I
1: was like, didn't have time to squeeze it in.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's they're like door stoppers. It's <laughs> yeah, I, I I I mean, it's hard because it's like I know these books so well, having read them several times, but um. Mm-hmm. I think so. I talked to a friend of mine who has seen the first six episodes who had not read the books and she's really enjoying it. So I think that they're doing enough sort of like explanation and backstory that um, it's going to make sense. And they have these really cool features they've done because it's Amazon. So like some of the lore in the series, um, some of like the deep history and mythology that they're dealing with. They've done these little animated shorts that are part of their like x-ray extra features. Oh, cool. That's cool. Um, and they showed us one of them at the fan screening and it's, I mean, it's beautiful. They look like paintings and.
0: Wow. Yeah. The whole like 14 book series thing is very daunting. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I'm wondering, I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be kind of like a game of Thrones for me where I watched like the first few seasons of game of Thrones and then one year in between seasons, I just read all of the books and all of the ancillary materials and everything. So I'm hoping it can, it can be like that for me.
2: I hope so. I will say if you try the first one, it's very Lord of the Rings ish because that's what fantasy was at that mm -hmm. time period. And then as the series goes it becomes much more of its own thing. Like it, it loses those recognitions. Um, Jordan's a lot more interested in like balance and sort of like Eastern philosophical ideas. Um, And you get that as the series goes along, but the first one does feel like there's a lot of fellowship vibes going on there. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Well, it looks
1: really great. The trailers I've seen look really great. That, that Bezos money goes a long way uh, like yeah. i you can always you can tell the difference between like the sci-fi seasons of the expanse and then when it switches to amazon you're like whoa look at space <laughs> like that's so good so uh i'm excited to see them bring a fantasy world to life like that that'll be cool yeah should be fun uh tasia
0: <laughs> I'm reading what you have written here and i'll let you I once again have just written once again I got nothing fam Um, but (laughs) I mean I am still I am still trucking through the Throne of Glass series I just started last night actually I just started Kingdom of Ash so once I get through that thousand page book I I will be done free of this series I say that like I'm not going to be devastated when it's over I am very much in I'm very in (laughs) Uh, other than that um, so you might have seen on on like our socials and stuff that I visited Corinne in Chicago recently, uh, Corinne and Jesse and Melissa and all the Chicago fam. And uh, we we spent a day getting <laughs> like basically living, uh, <laughs> living at a tattoo shop. I got two tattoos in one day and then I came home and like a week later, my friend came to visit. And then I also went and got tattooed. So I guess right now my current obsession is tattoos because I've gotten three in two weeks, which is a record for me. And I have also attempted to make an appointment for another one as soon as possible, because the more you get, the more you want, you know, it's like a, you can't eat just one Pringles uh, chip. You have to get, you have to keep eating them. Um, So yeah, that's, it's, it's tattoos. I've got tattoos on the, on the brain. Well, and the two that you got here, at least are book themed. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little star from the magicians and I got safe as life. uh, If you remember Raven Cycle coverage.
2: It was great.
1: It was, it was a very fun time. Um, that's a great obsession to have tattoos. I yeah. was present for them and did not get one. Was I supposed to maybe did I check it out? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but it was very fun, uh, to just be in the vicinity of getting a couple of those. So that's a good obsession to have. I like it. Um, I have too many things, but I'm going to talk about them all. Cause I really do like them all. So one of them, this is like probably the truest obsession of the week or a couple of weeks for me, which is Laura Olympus by Rachel Smythe is if you don't know, it is a web tune and it is a long running a few years old uh, web comic that I know Tasia has been reading for a long time and they just printed a couple of weeks ago, volume one, the first, I think, 25 episodes Currently, like just under two hundred episodes online, uh, but I kind of bought it without really knowing a ton about it, but just because stage was like this is really good, and I'm really excited for it to come out, and tore through the book at an alarming pace, and then at an extra alarming pace because it's just like on your phone in an app, read through everything that's available on the Webtoon app, and. If you don't know, it is a Hades and Persephone retelling. Uh, It is beautifully drawn. Like the art in this world is so gorgeous. And I'm feeling kind of bereft that I'm caught up now. And it's just. Um, one of the cooler web comics I've read, and I am just very obsessed with uh, our our two main characters of Hayes and Persephone. They are my new babies, and they're on my phone background right now. I'm just showing you guys <laughs> where we got started. Like literally every episode, I'm flipping through and I'm like screenshotting the art. is just like so gorgeous, and so that's been very very fun to read, especially. This year alone, you know, we've talked about Hades and Persephone's retellings on this podcast with um, A Court of Mist and Fury. And I know we talked about Neon, Neon Gods. Gods by Katie Robert, which is a big uh, book this year. Uh, so it's just kind of a fun end cap on that. I also am very into historical romances this year, which I've talked about before on the podcast, which is a lot. Thanks to Aubrey, who's given me a lot of recommendations after I went through like my Bridgerton binge earlier this year. But I've since read uh, two, I'm going to call them quirky historical romances, which were like a fun new twist to the genre for me. I call them quirky because they both kind of have like fantastical elements to them. One of which is called The Brightest Star in Paris by Diana Biller. It is about this ballet dancer in Paris. Uh, in the late 19th century, who had this long lost love, who's an American, and he comes back into town years later. And the back of the book does says she's quite literally haunted by the ghost of her past. And I did not take that quite literally. And there are actual (laughs) ghosts in the story. Uh, (laughs) So, but it was a really fun romance. And like, very endearing like the ghosts are handled really well and it sounds kind of strange and I wish I had known the ghosts were going to be there going in nothing against them they were just shocking when they appeared to me as they were to the ballet dancer like Hmm, why are these ghosts here? Uh, but it was actually then like a pretty hot romance too. So it was just a fun twist. And then I also am in the middle of right now the Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels by India Holton, which I've seen making the round since it came out in June this year. It is set in Victorian England and our main female character is essentially a female pirate and this society of women, for reasons that aren't totally explained, like have houses that they can fly around via magic, not unlike house moving castle. It is the most clever, charming writing. Our, our meet cute, I guess, meet ugly, maybe between her and the love interest is that he is hired by a rival in the society to assassinate her. And she opens the door to her house for him to assassinate her. And he's like instantly smitten with her. Uh, So they have a very fun dynamic and it's just been really charming. So yeah, quirky, fantastical, historical romances and nice twists on the genre
0: uh, have been bringing me a lot of joy. On that note, I actually have a a book recommendation for you as as you were talking about like that kind of quirky, sort of supernatural-ish historical romance. I just remembered um, this book called Solace. I think it's the first book in a series by Gail Carragher, Carragher, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's it's a steampunk paranormal romance. It sounds a lot like the vibes that you're into oh. right now. I think would be I remember I, I read it a few years ago, but I remember it being really funny. Um, and just really fun and enjoyable.
2: This is hilarious, Tasia, because I was thinking the same thing when <laughs> she was talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's a
1: vibe.
0: It's it's a vibe. Great vibes. Yeah. Well.
1: Yeah, that sounds great because I'm already like, OK, what's next that I can find in this genre? It's like kind of hard to find. I have kind of accidentally mm-hmm. stumbled on like getting these both from the library at the same time. Specific. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, what is happening in these books? Uh, <laughs> but they've both been really fun. And then one more that's more germane to this podcast is uh, Defy the Night by Bridget Kemmerer. Uh, Bridget Kemmerer is best known, I think, for her Curse Breaker series. A Curse So Dark and Lonely, I think, is the first book. I have not read any of those, but I recently subscribed to Fairy Loot and Defy the Night was the first book that I got from them and I had read some kind of good things about it online. And I just really loved it. It's basically everything that we collectively love in a YA fantasy, which is just solidly plotted. And a great romance, and I, I'm I'm a woman of simple needs, and that's all that I I want. And we talk a lot about you know books here, like this one that we're going to talk about uh, after this here today. But um, we talk a lot about fantasy books that are like have you know bigger themes and messaging in them, which is all great. Um, but sometimes, like you just kind of want a comforting fantasy like you you kind of know what you're gonna expect and there were fun twists in there but it felt just very comforting in the same way that like reading romance novels feels comforting and it was just like a great example of that genre and I don't think it needs to you know a five-star book doesn't necessarily have to have like all of the themes you like in the world I think if you read it very very quickly and are desperate to find out what happens that is five-star book in my mind and and I really liked it now I'm like oh great am I gonna have to go back and read these curse breaker books because Bridget <laughs> what'd you do to me like I really liked this book uh, so I think it's gonna be part of a planned trilogy this is book one in it and I'm really excited to see where it goes so that was really fun. I think you guys should check that out I think you'd like it And then I reread this. So um, Redemptor came out in August. We talked about Raybear back, I think, in April on the podcast. And I don't really know what took us so long to get to this point with Redemptor. But federally, a court of thorns and roses did. Yeah, a court of thorns and roses and the cruel prince series. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing a lot of other things. Uh, but the our tardiness here does not indicate our lack of um, enjoyment of this book because I think overall we all really liked this as a conclusion to this duology, right? Yeah, we all liked it a yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah, I did find on rereading it and we can talk a little bit more as we go through like that I kind of wish that there was more in, and not just in my typical selfish way that I want more from these characters in this world but I do think maybe it could have breathed a little bit more like through
0: three books it's very quickly paced and it's yeah. kind of funny yeah. that like a book where sort of the the big thing that's supposed to happen right at the end of um Ray Bear you find out that she is going to have to go into the underworld and that doesn't i mean that happens like and there's like 30 pages of the book left or something and i'm just yeah. like how 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 is this yeah. just now happening yeah and there's like nothing of the book left so everything it just gets it's like just a wild pace yeah yeah it really is
1: and on that note i'm going to read a quick book book summary here <laughs> that was very difficult for me to write because Again, so much happened here. The world building is dense, but not in an unapproachable way or an inaccessible way. I think that it's just there's a lot going on there. So I tried to condense the sound as much as possible. But I was texting things like, what happens at the end of the?" <laughs> <laughs> and I like, no, but it just is It is very dense. So I've tried to distill it down here as best as I can. Uh, and we'll talk about more things in detail after that. Tarisai is now the empress. To appease the sinister spirits of the dead, Terasai must now anoint a council of her own, coming into her full power as a raybearer. She must then descend into the underworld, a sacrifice to end all future atrocities against the redemptors previously lost to the underworld. Before setting out on this path, she attempts to break Thadis, the former High Judge of Aristar, out of prison after he killed the Emperor at the end of the first book. She nearly succeeds before Thadis is killed by an Ojiji, a spirit of one of the Redemptors. She then attends a banquet for dignitaries from each of the Empire's realms in an effort to begin to form her own council, but she is unsure how to get them all to love her. She is scared to tell the truth of her past to them, thinking they won't love her, but eventually she decides to share her true self, and eventually they all accept her, Ray. The lone holdout is Zuri, an aloof king from one of the realms. While Tar struggles with this, the Ojiji continue to haunt her, telling her that she alone can save the spirits of the underworld and she must do it alone. When her and Dio's council siblings disperse to their home realms, Tar tries to enact change on a vast scale, issuing sweeping edicts that strip abusive noblemen of their ability to control each realm. This is met with resistance, and Tar learns that Zuri is actually the vigilante rebellion leader known as the Crocodile. Zuri ultimately accepts Tar's ray, But shortly after, he tells Tar that being a tool in the system is the only way to change their world, laying out plans to enact change by inciting a violent rebellion. He dies in the ensuing melee, and Tar realizes she does not want to end up like him, totally devoted to one cause but alone. She finally tells her council siblings about the presence of the OGG, and they help her prepare to go into the underworld to fulfill the oath she made at the end of the last book. She goes to the underworld and ultimately encounters her mother, the lady, who tries to sacrifice Tar in order to release the spirits of the Ojiji out of lingering guilt that she herself continues to have. Instead, Tar uses her hollow to absorb the memories of each redemptor's life, freeing their spirits and allowing them to pass on. She then leaves the underworld and is officially crowned as empress. Her father, Meilu, shows up and offers her a wish. Tar wishes for the right no longer to be passed down generationally, but to go to Ever is most worthy. So well, that's a very, very deep, uh, not very detailed summary about what yeah. happens in this book because really so much does happen. But the flip side of that is that I think there's just like some really like key themes here that this book hits on. And what I think of, it was really interesting, and I think I was more aware of it reading it the second time through, is like the first book is so insular to Tar's own struggles with who she is set on this path to kill Dio and and what that means about her. But now it's more like her, her role in the larger world and, You know, I'd be so curious to hear from Jordani Fuego. I I know she wrote the first book over a period of many, many years uh, and had lived with this story for a long time and then had to write this one really fast, you know, contractual obligations. But how much of it was influenced by like what's been going on in our own world the last couple of years? Because the societal justice themes here, I think what really makes this book special and shine, uh, because that's kind of really the big takeaway ultimately from the book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, on, on that note, I think it's really what this book, this book has so many just incredible things to say about different kinds of activism. I think like, especially like what it sort of says about more when it's like optical progressivism, you know, when you're centering your, your activism really on yourself and your own guilt and trying to alleviate that. And, and look on paper like you're doing the work but you're making it about you and and then you know on the other side of that coin too is is the kind of activism where like like zuri where it's all he has and at the end he's he has nothing to actually live for he doesn't want to live to see this change enacted he would rather die for it because that's that's easier than having to stay long term and work for it you know it's just a lot of a lot of really deep shit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And even like the struggle, I think, you know, Tarasai talks to some of her council friends who are like, maybe like, we don't want everything to change though. You know, Mm -hmm. like we see what you're doing is good, but also we kind of liked Artsar the way that it was. And you don't really talk to us about that and the way that that Thirst for justice can be alienating when you let that take over and not everybody is necessarily ready to let go of the status quo.
0: I think that's what she had in the, um, like the dedication to the book too, is like to all the young revolutionaries who've chosen the loneliest job in the world. That's mm-hmm. I mean, Yeah. Kind right. of a the central thesis of this
1: book. Yeah. It, it definitely is. I think another thing too, that was really interesting right from the beginning is like that is thinking that the right set of laws can save humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we all struggle with all the time. And I think the book kind of grapples with again, yeah, like kind of just what we're saying, what is the best way to enact change? And I really like how it really ultimately realizes that like none of these very, oh my gosh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Not polarizing, but very like distinct and kind of almost tunnel vision paths are not the way forward. You have to kind of look at the broader scheme of things and kind of have to build from scratch and it's going to be a slow process, mm-hmm. but it's a collaborative process. And I think is really, really well done by by Jordan. And I it it every what I love about this is there are very distinct themes, but they all like interweave really well. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as Aubrey, you just said too about how her council siblings kind of like we kind of like the the way things are, and, and Tar definitely clocks that. But then she also thinks, too, about how like they don't love this version of me that now is the Empress. And that's coming from a lot of her internalized guilt which is manifested in the OGG and like the things that they say to her about how, you know, she's not worthy, but she has to be the one, she has to do it alone. She has to do these things. And then how it ties into Zuri and that kind of complicated relationship and love they have for each other.
0: Yeah. It's kind of an interesting, like, like love triangle. It's not really a, like a real love triangle there, but it sort of is in the sense that like she is being pulled in these two directions, like on one hand is Sanji who would rather say, with the status quo or, or kind of along Thaddeus's lines of thinking, like, there's a way that we can fix this empire, so we still have an empire, but we just make things better. And Zuri, on the other hand, being like, we need to burn it to the ground, and how she's kind of torn in these two directions, um, emotionally and intellectually, um, I think it's a really interesting place to come from. Yeah, I, I think the... Um
1: at one point, like she, I think after he dies, she calls Zuri like her, her twin, something, her, mm-hmm. yeah, my braver twin or something. Like, so she really admires like his like gusto and enthusiasm for it, but her, the, her revelation that that's not what she wants for herself is. Right. Just- He's also the
0: cautionary tale, you know, it's. Exactly. I really love the way that they did that. Um, I think yeah. she says at one point, it was beautiful as race cause of that. I had no doubt it was selfless, unambiguously right. But he had given himself nothing else to live for. His world had gone adrift. And so he had chosen to fall out of orbit. Yeah. It was so important for her to come to that that conclusion with him and with his story and realize that she couldn't burn herself out the way that he had. Yeah. One of the things that
1: I think obviously we, we, we we talked a little bit about this in the episode we did was like the idea of the Ray and the Ray bond. And I thought that like Zuri's um, commentary on that was really interesting too. And it, it, it kind of ties into this like idea of the Ray and the Ray bearer being the leader The Raybearer has never been about a person. Not really. It's about an idea. They may love you, but they also love what you represent. Rebirth, redemption, the tale of a monster turned heroine. I hope you will be the story they need to. So, you know, this comes on the heels of Zuri basically revealing, like, I wasn't so much like, I didn't really love you. I love the idea of the Ray. And that has been handed down by the fact that like I was on your mother, the Ladies council. And I've just kind of, taken that love and like, put it onto you now, because now you have the ray. And I wanted to see what you both thought about how this book handles the idea of the ray and like the resolution of the ray. Because I think one of the things we talked about last time was like, are we going to get rid of the ray? Like what's going to happen to it? Um, and it's, it's still present at the end of the book. Um, it's just not going to be passed on generationally anymore, but I guess the one thing that's like muddier to me is like what we're supposed to take away from the power of having the ray of being a ray bearer. Is it ultimately good? Because I kind of feel like for a lot of the novel, it wasn't. And then all of a sudden it's sticking around.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, we talked about this last time too, about how, how the ray just by by its very nature, is sort of insidious in the way that it kind of forces love and and forces that proximity to. Um, there's a lot of insidious things about the ray. And also I remember while I was reading this book the first time, I kept thinking like, how are they going to resolve this? How are they going to resolve the the empire by still having, I was like, there's no way I can get through this book. And there's still an empire at the end Mm -hmm. of it. Like we know empires are bad. (laughs) Like we, there's, how could this possibly, and I think it does conclude in a really nice way by making the Ray, not a, not a hereditary uh, thing, but um, yeah, I still feel like the, those insidious bits about the Ray, especially with, with the enforced love thing uh, that didn't really get solved because the ray is still going to be passed on those people are still going to have to be ray bonded in order to um get their their death immunities so i don't i don't know really how <laughs> i'm left feeling about the ray itself yeah i
2: think it helps that it's not just that the ray won't be passed down generationally but that it could leave you if you yeah. are no longer a person the person who should have that control it feels like it puts a check on some of the insidious parts of that power especially like the ability to compel nobles to do things they don't want to do right mm-hmm. um which was a fun new twist on the ray's powers yeah 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 and the ray bond itself i mean it's hard I, and i think the idea that like there's two ray bearers and they get to share that and the way that that helps them is good when dio and she share that ray between each other and like it lessens some of the council sickness and things that keep them so tightly bound together i i like that they found solutions around that part of the, yeah. the forced bond but i also think that i do see i don't know an advantage to having to have other people be that intimate with you intellectually as well as a leader because it means that you're never, you're always going to be tied to other people from other areas of the empire. And there are like different philosophies and have people who can give you different outlooks that you trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are really good points. Yeah. It can help them. So yeah, yeah I'm not, I'm not mad that the Ray is still around. I think like, yeah. I think the Ray in and it, in of itself, is not like a good, an evil thing or like a good thing that it's got kind of both and that putting some checks on it so that it doesn't end up in the hands of someone who's going to abuse it is really like the best thing possible they could have done.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a, a great, it, that makes me feel better about Aubrey. Yeah, me too. I, I think that, you know, kind of what Tasia just hinted at too, is like, we spent so much time thinking about like what you said, the empire must be dissolved, right? Like this, this shouldn't be a, a, a thing anymore. And that's such a huge thing theme in the first book and then we talked about how insidious the ray felt because it connected the council siblings in that way and that was kind of something that was I felt like was just kind of hand waved off in this book So there's like this magic herb they can take now all of a sudden that allows them <laughs> to like separate and I will say for me I love the original council members from the first book so much that and, and I like the new ones that we meet but it's so many people to meet so in such a short book. I mean, this book's only 320 pages. So for the amount of things that happen here, that's quite a lot, but what I, I, I do like the continuation of the ray for the reasons that you said, Aubrey, but then I also like how it ties into this larger theme of like of love and how you need people with you. And I read this quote too, which I, I liked a lot. And I also thought was worth highlighting since, you know, obviously this is written by a black female author and we're three white women here speaking about it. But I think this talks not just about the idea of how so many people um, think they have to do things alone, but how particularly black female heroines are depicted. So this is a quote from Journey Fuego who says, um, terrorize imperfections are what, I feel makes her lovable as a main character. It was very important to me that I wrote a black female heroine that was empowering to readers, but that also got to display a lot of vulnerability, which I don't often see with black female characters in fiction. To be honest, I think a lot of black female characters, they're either non-existent or when they are there, they're portrayed as strong to the point where they don't need any kind of protection. Black girls are human and they need help. Part of Tari's journey of maturity is learning to ask for help. Um, and so I really, I really love that. And I, I love seeing what's what's really rewarding i think about the new council members that we get is like you see the different kinds of love like we have the one guy who's like older and kind of like a little paternalistic but like means well we have like mm-hmm. the more childlike love we have like maybe some sort of romantic love with suri but then it's not um and that's kind of its own sort of insidious type of love too because he loves What she represents. And that leads to Mm -hmm. a very nice moment that I know one of you have written in Swoon uh, to distinguish Sanjeet from Zuri. But um, I I really like how that, what you said, Aubrey, it ties in, I guess, as this idea of Tarzan needing these people
0: with her. No one can go it alone. Yeah, I think that was really illustrated beautifully through, um, you know, the OGG trying to alienate her and separate her from everybody. And anytime that she got close to telling anybody else about what was going on in her own head, they would just like kind of pile on her. Um, and I mean, that's, that's what any abuser does, right? That's like the whole point is to separate you from your, your connections and, and your resources And so her working through that in the end, which was, I mean, obviously a huge boon when she went to the underworld and she really needed that.
2: Yeah. 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 And even in the underworld, the things that she does, I mean, Un has to come back and like, let her know and help her out. Mm -hmm. She's just always, always leaning on other people. Which is what we all do or should yeah, do. Yeah, I know
0: I t- I talk about like how insidious I find the like forced love of the ray, and I do, but I am also completely obsessed with her bond with all of her right. like ray siblings. I well the, the original, um the original ones especially, of course. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think then I mean, I guess separate from like Tari sai's main journey here I guess maybe that's a good point to talk about some of our side characters here because I know we all really love Dayo and Kira and Sanji in the last book and um unfortunately I think one of the sad things for me is that they are kind of put in the back burner in this book a little bit um for plot reasons that like aren't really important to the central plot although for Sanji they kind of are
0: yeah It's more Tari I needs to work through stuff. Right. And they can't be there for
1: it. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. it's an important lesson for her to learn. But it's as a reader who felt very invested and what I loved about the first book was their connection. It was a little hard to to stomach because I missed them. (laughs) But what we do get is really good,
0: I think. And Dio continues to just like delight me beyond measure. I love him so much. The way like the way he's so supportive of tar with like zero ego involved, she makes these broad like changes sometimes without consulting him at all. And he is the co, co-emperor of this place and co-ray bearer. And later, when it's pointed out to her, like, bro, like <laughs> you can't just make these sweeping changes. And and Dios just kind of like, you know what? You're right. You're right. He's just zero ego. He thinks about it for a second, and he's like, You're right. He has he never judges her, which is so important for her in in this, especially with like all the nobles and everybody always on attack. Um, his enthusiasm yeah. for being up like him with the baby just fucking oh kill me. Yeah, it's just all of it. All, all of Dio's stuff in this book was incredible. I kept thinking like, there's got to be some sort of catch to him. Like no. there's got, there isn't. He is just a a pure soul. He is a golden retriever, and I love him. Should yeah. Uncle Dio buy you a zebra, a rhino? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, I love the way that he's like the soft fem, like mm-hmm. stereotypically feminine one in their yeah. relationship and in their ruling and it's such a good balance yeah. Um, yeah. for the two of them like they ground each other so much that getting to see so much of that relationship here as like I missed Sanji and Kara so much, mm-hmm. but I was glad we got to see her and Dio together so much because I just think like it's a completely platonic like sibling-esque relationship at this point but they're they really are partners and they just really love each other so
0: much love for each other it hurts it hurts me that
2: like after they both after he accepts her
1: right? and they're just like basically like like a side of each other's coin like they they are each other and it's so important they're like oh this is weird like I sound like you, but it's me. And they're like, I like it. It feels right. And like, it's just, it's it's very, very nice. And then I think, again, continuing from the last book, the um, asexual representation with Dio, I think is, is just, is great and leads to some good swoon there at the end mm-hmm. um, yeah. as well, which I think we'll have noted as well. But one thing, I don't know if you guys felt this way too, A Ling, who and ends up with Dio in this, in again very lovely romance. I think here between the two of them. My one caveat to how much I like their ending is that like she had a really bad sexual experience. Not it was not necessarily like a sexual assault, but like afterwards Mm -hmm. she was basically um, just cast aside by this guy. And I don't really love, like, she says to die with the end, like, I've had sex before, like, I, you know, and that person said this. And it was bad.
0: So I'm over it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just feel like any, I I, I would would feel like maybe have been a stronger choice to have, like, that not brought up as a caveat or like an explanation of, like, what you provide me means more than yeah and the physical relationship something like that i didn't like that it was just like okay well it was she's tied able to, it. to love him because she had this bad experience so mm-hmm. now she's like okay well i don't need that um that was i guess maybe the one thing for me that didn't work um on that storyline but they were very sweet together i liked it and he deserves Super the cute. best he deserves yeah. everything he's so good well let's talk briefly about kira and ween because that's another thing that's like disappointing to me. <laughs> we were really gunned for that. Really we wanted it, it so bad, okay, and I will. My my again, my I have an asterisk to that because I love um, some of the things Kira says about that, mm-hmm. and we can talk about that in a second. But I just like they, they're never on the page together. It's very
2: sad.
0: I'm still waiting for that novella for, of their their trip. Yeah, you
2: know, I want maybe- it. I want it. Some, someday we get more with them. Cause yeah, it definitely felt like I was like, wait, that's it. Like we get mm-hmm. him mentioning her and then like, apparently they were together and then she's, she's got to build her own experience so that she can feel like an equal, which, yeah, which I did. I mean, like, I really appreciated that for her when she was like, he's eight years older than me and he's done all of these things and I haven't, and I need to not so feel mature. Yeah, she's yeah. like, I want to stand eye to eye with him. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is so great. That's great lines. And then, yeah. I mean, to be frank, like the fact that this is, that like rereading that while also listening to Taylor's version mm. of Red and thinking about her relationship <laughs> with Jake Gyllenhaal and that age gap, <laughs> I was it's like, It's different, right. I was like, you're right. I mean, it's very different, but like, yeah, go and get that. You'll be in like a more mature place.
1: Yeah. Oh God. I'm glad I'm not the only one who's.
2: <laughs> every waking
1: thought is permeated by taylor's version of red but no i yeah i i totally agree it's such an empowering moment i one thing in that interview that i quoted um journey fuego from was she mentioned how like there's so much to this world i could have had four books and it, like i wish it would have been maybe been like three and we talked about this i think last time too like the when sanjeet and tar go back to where she where does her realm called, I can't remember. But like he's mad at her along the way because uh he she's trying to kill die <laughs> off. great. Little little rope bump. <laughs> Bad look for Tar. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, tough look for our girl Tar. But we were like, oh, like milk this kind con- like it's a good conflict. Like don't like over exert it here, but like it's a good one. Like let's
0: talk about yeah, it more. You can and feel you like,
1: can authentically yeah. mine a little bit more from it. And I yeah. feel like that's a lot of what this is here.
0: Yeah. It's sort of like the, the problems, that problem from like book one is compounded in this one because it's, yeah. it's even shorter. Right. And there is so much book here. There is so much plot here and it's just so condensed into so few pages that like you said, Corinne, this could, I mean, this could have been several books, but it also could have just been a bigger book in itself. And this stuff could have been padded out a little bit more. There is so much here, so much here that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, usually my reaction is like, you need an editor person. Like you need to cut things down. And here I'm like, why isn't there more? I mean, like you said, the fact that she gets to the underworld and there's like 30 pages left or whatever, I was reading it digitally. So more on there, but still you're like almost at the end. And then there's this whole side plot that the Abiku have been working on the entire time. Like there's like one or two hints in the before that. And then she just solves it in like two pages and I was like I love so much about this book and I love this but like what just happened yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. I just think there needed to be more in that portion yeah
1: her prose remains outstanding I think the quotes we're gonna read uh, really highlight that and I think her 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 characters and her themes are so so good Um, but yeah I wish like the plotting had been teased out a little bit more Mm -hmm. and I think that that this is like such a great start like these are her first books I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to see what she writes in the future because you know there could be all sorts of reasons why this ended up just having to be a duology and that's how it was sold or whatever and that's this is I think us just it's an airing of grievances because we loved it so much we just want
0: (laughs) it More yeah, like, I mean it's yeah, a five all the complaints star book to have me. this yeah. is yeah, absolutely this is a <laughs> yeah, a good problem to have, I guess.
1: Let's also talk about the lady briefly, because I think I said this when we were here together last time that I didn't really like that like Ween killed the lady because I didn't feel like Tar had her last moment of reckoning with her, but we mm-hmm. get it here and i think it's one of like the best scenes in the book like their interaction and how tar finally is still so compelled by her mother and wants to forgive her and does say that she forgives her her for now but like the lady's gonna be the lady and she's doing, be the lady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The lady's gonna lady yeah <laughs> and continue to be shady and um yeah like it it it's she's just so sh- selfish and prideful until the end but what's great about it
0: then is that Tara finally realizes it. yeah,
2: I really it really is that, that she her. kind of
0: needed that that final betrayal again to be like, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: we've had enough of you now. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to forgive her though. She was very worn down and tired. She'd been in the underworld. All these Mm -hmm. like spirits are pretending to be her friends. Like she was in a a rough emotional
2: state. Oh yeah. No, I I, I I don't blame
0: Tarisai at all. The lady, the lady, Tarisai needed that final kind of betrayal from from her to. Yeah.
2: There was part of me where I was like, the lady you're going to free all these souls, but then you're going to have like cause all of these horrible things to happen to people who are living and on the surface. Like you're not, you're not solving this. You're just going to make your walk worse. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought you were supposed to be smart. And it's so powerful though to hear
1: Tarsai in that moment be like, no, like you just want to make yourself feel better for a little bit. Like you just wanted to assuage your own guilt, which is the journey Tarsai has been on the whole book. I mean, it's compounded by the OGG saying things to her, like, you're not enough. Do more. You, do more. You do have more. to do this. You have to do this. You know, uh, uh, and Zuri being like, you know, you're a tool. Like, let yourself be used, essentially. Uh, so the fact that she's then able to like embody the things that like her like her friends are saying to her, like Sanjit saying to her, like, no human being should be reduced to a function, which is a product of her own guilt. To, like strip that aside and then be like, no, lady. No, bad, no, bad. We're not, <laughs> we are not being motivated by our guilt anymore. We are being motivated by love. Which is very great. And in speaking of shame, love, uh, talk about yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I just, I just want to say that I love it so, so much that he goes out and he does the work on his own and he figures it out. Like he leaves and it's very like fraught because he's upset and he's like, I, you know, I don't want to watch you burn up and, um, leaves. And, and it, it feels like a breakup. It's not real. It's not a breakup, but it feels like a breakup. And he comes back and he's like, I get it now. Like I went and I talked to people, I saw things with my own eyes. And it's not that, you know, the love of a good woman changed him. It's, he went out and changed himself. Um, we, we say this, often on the podcast we love to see that in particular We love to see it Mm -hmm. yeah so good that that his sole motivation was not uh tarisai because if that were the case he would have stayed with her yeah
1: yeah yeah it's 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 great stuff from sanjeet in this book limited though it is much to my
0: everlasting chagrin oh my god and when he comes back and he's like If you need time to grieve for Zuri, like he's, he's, there's no judgment. He's like, if you were in love with him, it's cool. Like, I don't know if I deserve another chance. And I'm just like screaming. It's he is the goodest boy. He's so good.
2: And I was happy for him too, that he got his own closure with his family, with Mm -hmm. finding his brother and seeing that and like, just having to let go of his own guilt about not getting his brother out and letting him live the life that he is choosing to live now. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was important for him too. Like they all got to grow up a little bit. Yeah. Another
1: chapter that was very short, but it was, you know, worthwhile to like, you know, be angry at his brother, but ultimately realize that that wasn't the biggest takeaway of, of how he should react to that. Like his brother was right. And you know, he, needed to go on that journey. No, it is really good. I also like to even though again I was listening to a little bit of our previous episode and we <laughs> we did wonder whether that beautiful scene at the end of the first book like did they do it? Like we weren't. sure oh, uh, yeah, we thought yes. We thought for sure yes. We thought for yeah. sure yes and we're like this is a great way to write this and not have it be like on the page graphic but the communication here between the two of them and the respect about like whether or not they're going to do it is again, more of that, please. Mm -hmm. Um, always it's, it's so good. Every scene between them is so good. I have to think, okay, we were talking about this off air listeners. Uh, there was a promised not say for work fan art piece that was supposed to come with the pre-orders that was supposed to be, it's like a pre-order incentive. Uh, and I didn't receive it. I'm very upset. <laughs> we don't know if anyone else has received it yet where it is, but it was supposed to be not safe for work um, rendering a Sanji. And I feel like
0: it has to be that like pool scene, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. where is it? I really hope that we weren't too late in the ordering.
2: But did they have like five?
0: I don't know.
1: Right. Where are <laughs> they? I'm so sad. Um, I, we got some great um, character uh, portraits and this cool little pouch. I have here that says the only thing more powerful than a wish is a purpose but yeah nowhere we can
2: release the <laughs> not release the sentry <laughs> I just need someone to like <laughs> post it on tumblr right yes Oh yeah, That's... I did look on Tumblr and I okay. did look. I keep
1: checking Jordan Newfoiko's tagged photos. Did it receive? Did I receive it yesterday in the mail? Yes, it took a while from the book to come out in August to just getting them. So like, this is a very fresh obsession in my mind. Like, where is this art? So I have been checking. I, it has been twenty four hours, so I do need to chill somewhat. It will get posted eventually, I'm sure. But... Never, yeah. <laughs> One last thing that I think that we talked about is related to Sanjeet is the uh, way that the future generation of ray bears before it gets passed to the people essentially um and both dio and tar's like thoughts on that and rumination on that was something that i don't feel i don't think i've ever seen in ya like a girl be like i definitely don't want to have kids and i was like i like this this mm-hmm. is this is a great rap here and I didn't feel like it was cheapened at all at the end by her saying you know part a large part of why she didn't want to have kids is she didn't want to like basically be the lady and like
0: have to pass on this like burden right. she didn't want to give birth to her legacy only and end up doing yeah. to her own child what her mother did to her yeah yeah but I like then that she thinks at the end like well okay like if I ever
1: do have a kid it would just be like a kid it doesn't have to be a ray bearer. Mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be any of that but like I'm not gonna think about that now and I'm like you know what yeah. Great! It's so good because yeah.
0: it's still very much like a. I might decide I want to, but I might not. Either way, we good. Like it's all good here, yeah. and
2: I love that. I really appreciate it. And she's like, "I'm going to lock this away for now, but now mm-hmm. it's a possibility, right? I'm not pursuing it. Yeah, yeah. And then, like
1: you know, poor baby Dio doesn't have to worry about like doing anything he doesn't want to do, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really I really liked how these characters are very smart and they're very mature. And, it, you know, it does seem to push back intentionally on a lot of fantasy tropes. In particular, I, I say white fantasy series because that's been the vast majority of them forever, too. But I, I like a how she's pushing back. Um, on that perspective, but then also on a lot of these like tried and true tropes, like the age differences, like the 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 epilogues being like familial and like mm-hmm. here's our, our children, and also just the idea that like the heroine has to be like this badass and do everything alone, which is Alan Galathinius 101 yeah. <laughs> uh, as Keisha's reading, Throne of Glass. So
0: honestly, girl needs to share some some thoughts occasionally with the people yeah. <laughs> around her. Yeah. So I just, I really love how it, the
1: whole series pushes back on all of that. It's, it's nice to see it. Everyone deserves to see their own desires, you know, laid out in a book. And I think that's a, a great one to have. Yeah. Anything else friends
0: that we need to talk about in terms of the books themselves? Literally the only other note I have left is Melu, uh, because I, I love my demon daddy. I was so happy he, when he showed up. He I showed know, up at the end, is. and I think I actually squealed out loud. I was just so happy to see him. I love that she she like goes rushing into his arms, and it's a very emotional moment. But even in her head, she's like, you know, he wasn't really apparent to me, but I uh, no. got gotta love him. He showed up. Yeah, we, we love it. And it's just, uh, I think there is like a genuine fondness with them yeah. and affection, and I really love it. And you know, I just love a demon daddy, so I will. Yeah. Find any Daddy? reason to love it, Daddy.
1: Daddy? Sorry, Daddy. Daddy. Sorry, <laughs> it's he is that TikTok audio. I, what I, and I like him so much that I'm actually like willing to kind of overlook the whole kind of hand wavy like make a wish, like we're gonna fix this big <laughs> <same> problem. <laughs> like, it's very convenient, but I don't care because I like I like the messenger. So it's yeah, it's
2: it's emotionally satisfying it's to it's have very it from satisfying. him. Sometimes let's just use the magic we've written into our books to make things better. Like, yes. why not? Yeah, totally. All right, superlatives. Let's do it. All right. All right.
1: Let's see here. Favorite quote. Teja, I'm going to have you go first because you have the most
0: here today. How exciting for me. Okay. It is. <laughs> you can tell who f- filled out the notes first. I know. <laughs> Beat you to it this time. <laughs> yeah. All right, I've been, I've been slow on the uptake the last few episodes, so was, <laughs> I needed a win. All right, the only difference between a murderer and a hero is who tells the story. That's a yeah. classic history 101, right? Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Aubrey. She clutched her grandmother's drum, but what good is a voice with no story to tell?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good one.
2: This one
1: is from my voice, Sanjit. And I just love it because this is an example of how her prose sometimes just like totally knocks my socks off. I once promised, he said that I would never ask you to be less than who you are, but if you set yourself on fire to warm a frozen world, I will not stand by and watch you burn.
0: It's so oh, good. It it hurts so good. Me.
1: It's so good. Anyway, <laughs> all
0: right. Um, this is from Dio. If there's anything I've learned from having 11 partners bonded to me for life, he said gently, is that there are all kinds of love, Tar. Dio, just, uh, you know,
2: best boy. Good boy. Yeah. Such a good boy. Aubrey. Yeah. Mine is Sanjeet again. I think he said heavily that your life should not be a means to an end. No human being should be reduced to a function. The day we do that, it's the beginning of the end. It's true.
1: It's so good,
2: and it takes her a while to realize it, but she
1: gets there. We can't control why people love us, Theo, or how much we only get to choose what we give in return. And I just, I think what I really love about that quote is it's such a good, uh, important message. But also, Tara says that to Dial very early on in the book when he's kind of like he thinks he doesn't deserve to be with Eileen and. Tar says this to him, but really that's a lesson Tar needs to learn throughout the Mm -hmm. entire book going forward. And again, she gets there. Kind of like nice, clever foreshadowing from Jordan.
0: All right, Teja, This is from Zuri. You're a woman who rules equally with a man. He said, they'll always call you a witch. Retweet. Uh,
2: Truth bombs. (laughs) Aubrey. Yeah. This is Tar again in the underworld. I want to live because life is, is worth it because as long as we can imagine a better world, we should stick around to see it. Even if it doesn't exist yet, even if we have to build it from scratch, brick by muddy brick. I mean, sometimes I think about Jordan writing that, like daring everything that happened this summer and also, or the previous summer and mm-hmm. also like during this pandemic. And, yeah. um, mm-hmm. it just really gets to me at that
0: point. Yeah. That's all this that stuff been resonates tough, so much, but a totally. tough time and yeah. what
2: a tough time to write this
0: yeah seriously
1: this one Aubrey you said a little bit earlier or hinted at earlier but I just really love it I don't want to look up to the man I'm in love with I'd rather see eye to eye and it's like good for you Kira I hope it works out for you when in the future because I love you both but
0: I hope I get that novella one day uh-huh. yeah, someday please yeah Do not confuse guilt with conviction. Guilt is self-centered and leads only to destructive obsession, but conviction brings balance, a sense of purpose beyond oneself. Uh, A message for all the progressives out there, all of us, (laughs) all of us. Okay.
1: I think Aubrey, you're done. So I Mm -hmm. will do my next one. Okay. This is my last one actually. And I just, it just made me laugh because I really did this starts a chapter off you kissed him out of everything I just told you that's what you remember <laughs> that's Kira responding to Tar telling her everything that happened with Zuri after Zuri has died and like I am Kira Kira's me like that would be my <laughs> <reason>. <laughs> like I I relate so <laughs> it just made me laugh because it just opens it's such like kind of an abrupt change i like you flip the page and I was
0: like you kissed him yeah. <laughs> it is kind of a big tonal, like, yeah. slap in the face. Yeah. Okay, my last one. Yes, Zuri of Jabanti had died for justice, but he also died to escape, to kill the guilt that had plagued him all his life. He had looked at comfort with disdain and regarded rest as weakness. Zuri had died because it was easier to be legendary than human.
1: That's uh, a good cautionary tale.
0: hmm Definitely.
1: Yeah. Alrighty. Favorite character and favorite
2: character arc aubrey i mean i just think it's Tara's. i mean i mm-hmm. remember everyone like everything that she goes through both for arc and just i just love her so much i'm so proud of her at the end yeah i mean i did say i'm also like really proud of Dio and sanjeet and i love them obviously a lot but it's her book and yeah it shows yeah yeah
1: it's a retweet from me. Yeah, a, a retweet from me as well. I will try to keep my Sanjeet feelings unlocked till we get soon here, so. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's Tara's book. Uh, I, I just, yes, no, I don't mean to diminish her in any way because I'm
0: just obsessed with her boyfriend. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we... We cannot throw stones in this glass house. Yeah. <laughs> we truly cannot. All right. Swoon. Okay. You
1: both have the ones that I would have picked if I didn't fill this out last. So I'm going <laughs> to read this other one that I put in here because I like it. I like it too, but uh, I want to close with yours. So this is for what it's worth, sunshine girl. You've always been my kind of different. Just like good stuff from Sanjeet. obviously I love the nickname still great still makes me happy every time he calls her sunshine girl like there's times too where he's trying to like find her via the ray when there's that big riot that Zuri incites and he's like sunshine girl sunshine girl it's like tell me you're okay and I'm like she's there she's there <laughs> <Sanjit>. <laughs> we'll be
0: okay um so anyway uh it's just a nice line from him it is Asia all right. Uh, so this is uh the Antaresai and Sanji reunion. And she says Zuri didn't want the girl, I said. He only wanted the empress. I sighed, wrapping my legs tighter around him. Only you ever tried to love both. Perin is uh going through it right now. I mean,
2: <laughs> that honestly that would have been mine, but he should already put it into no. the document. I, mean, it's like, <laughs> and I was like I was like, okay. Uh, second choice I needed that W guys I needed it
1: (laughs) like it's just oh like uh, authors can do a lot I think in terms of like writing just things that are swoony like you look at it and it's like that is a very swoon worthy line. I think like the one I just read is, is kind of like that. It's just like any love interest says Mm -hmm. something like that. I'm into it, but like the payoff of that particular scene and, and the heels of this entire book and the heels of their entire relationship is just what makes the swoon top notch. Also, they're very barely dressed in in a pool of water. So Yeah.
0: yeah, just everything we love anyway. (laughs) I was just picturing um what is this Stefan from uh SNL I think it's got it all (laughs) it's got everything (laughs) it's got naked people in a tub it's got
2: declarations of love yeah all right Aubrey I know sunshine girl but we haven't done this before he dropped a kiss on my shoulder and his fingers drew intoxicating circles on my leg still he watched my face I want you to be sure and just like how can you not swoon over someone who's like, I love you and I want this, but we're not doing anything you're not comfortable with. And I just love, I love it. Yeah. I love that for people to see too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this is what's good. Um, I feel like teenage girls need that. So, yeah. mm-hmm. but like, dang, it is swoony Cause like, it's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like too in the lead up to that scene I'm just gonna like comment on all your scenes <laughs> I like that but I like how in that scene too like they're in her room and it's been a while since the last book ended and like they've kind of been together but with all their council siblings and like the group sleep situation they have going on so this is really like the first time they're in her room and she's kind of like uh like will you stay? And he's like, uh, do you want me to stay? It's like, it's very endearing. It's very cute. It feels very natural to who they are and like in teenagers. And I think it's also really important for teenagers to read, to be like, just because you like live under the same roof as someone, even like there doesn't need to be that pressure just because they're there.
0: It's great. Yeah.
1: All right.
0: Okay. My last one. I will always want you. a can of Luan. Eileen said when they parted tracing his burn scar and I will never ask for more than you want to give
1: really good moment it's great it's
0: oh, they're so sweet
1: she's also like you don't get to tell me what makes me happy I'm mm-hmm. like also retweet uh <laughs>
0: it's a it's a good
1: it's a good book we love a fantasy that juggles some themes got some good prose in there and some soon worthy romance Jordan and Quake are fans this was this was a great duology and like I said before I really can't wait to see what we get from her in the future, because I think it yeah, can only be instant buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Aubrey, thank you so much for coming
2: back. We couldn't have Thanks. done this without you. Our <laughs> long awaited uh, Ray Bear follow up. I know. know. That's a good reunion.
1: It was a good reunion. And I'm sure we'll have you back in 2022 as we begin to plan our content, uh, going forward. Uh, I know we have some series that we're thinking about doing that you've read before, so stay tuned, Aubrey and listeners, Um, Yeah, but, uh, Tasia, do you want to go ahead and announce what we are covering for our last full book episode of the year? This will come out in December and we're going to have one more episode after that. This is going to be kind of more like year-end wrap-up. But
0: drumroll, please, what are we covering for our last substantive episode of 2021? You've all been waiting for it. We are going to cover Twilight by Stephanie Meyer with returning guest Martha, um, who is the Twilight authority in our our friend circle. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we are super excited uh twilight is experiencing a bit of a renaissance right now it has been about a billion years since i've read any of these books we're not entirely sure if we're gonna do the entire series at this point it's it's a probably not but if y'all show up in in in, in <laughs> with 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 all the enthusiasm in big numbers then we just might have to so we're gonna be covering the book and the movie yep Yep.
1: Uh, we'll see how episode one goes. Uh, you know, partially this is a fun experiment for us. I have not read the book since I don't know 2008. 2008. Mm-hmm. Probably Martha is younger than both Tasia and I, and was more of the age bracket for Twilight at that time. Um, so I'm really excited to get her perspective on things. We are not reading. Midnight Sun, but Martha has read Midnight Sun. So I'm very interested to get her perspective. But really, yeah, this is gonna be fun for us, but it's impossible to state the effect that Twilight had on the YA fiction market mm-hmm. or sorry, YA fantasy market. Just an explosion of of content after that. And really, I th- I think that a lot of what we've covered on this podcast wouldn't exist for for Twilight. So
0: we're gotta go back to the beginning. Well, this entire genre owes a lot to Twilight for better or worse. Um yep. it's given us a, a lot of good stuff. So yeah. we're excited. We're going to we're gonna have fun with it. It's yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be messy fun. I'm I'm <laughs> actually genuinely excited for it.
1: Like opposite ends of what we were here talking about today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Social <laughs> justice and like how do we enact change to like Imprinting on infants. That's the last oh, one. weird Mormon in. vampires. Yes. It's <laughs> it's gonna, that's going to be a thing. That's a better Can't description. Can't wait to it. hear y'all
2: talk about it. Yeah, it's
1: <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. Um, if I manage to get this unhinged about Redemptor, like I'm going to be like in a weird mood, weird space about Twilight, probably.
0: We should really do the Twilight one, uh, Buzz. And
1: that probably makes sense. It I does, doesn't be, it? Yeah. It'd be super fun. makes sense. Uh, so, anyway. Hopefully we sold that (laughs) and you'll join us back here in a couple of weeks for that. Other than that, like I said, we're going to do a year end wrap up after that talking about some of our favorite books, et cetera, which we did uh, last year as well. it's going to be its own episode this year. And one of the things we kind of would like to do, If maybe we get some emails or something, if you're listening to this, we would love to do like a little mailbag. If you have any questions or comments or like fun emails to send in, about any of the books we've covered or like anything book related, we'd love to hear from you. And maybe we can talk about some of that, uh, while, uh, we record that end of the year episode. So if you want to shoot us an email, we're at ActiaAgePod at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on socials. We're on Twitter and Instagram at ActiaAge. We promise to be better at checking the DMs <laughs> in the Instagram because I know sometimes they like come in and if like we don't follow the person, they like go to a separate folder yeah. and then it's like seven days later. I see it like you don't get a notification. It's very frustrating. So we promise to be better at it. So you can choose a DM there too, if you'd like. And, and now that I promise to check
0: there, we'll also probably throw like some polls out and stuff yeah. for, for yeah. the end of the year mailbag stuff. Yeah. So anyway, we'd love to hear from you all.
1: As we wrap up like our first full year of Act to Age. It's very exciting. Oh my God. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. Well, until then, Aubrey, where can our listeners connect with you online? Um, Yeah. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at OBSBOBS. Excellent, Tasha.
0: You can find me on
1: Instagram and Twitter at RageyCakes. And I'm on Instagram at Rin underscore Reads. Aubrey, thank you again so much. I can't wait to have you back again sometime soon. And friends, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.